Hey, DJ Fluck here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. In 2002, the Kent State Golden Flashes entered the NCAA tournament as a 10 seed and made it all the way to the Elite Eight before losing to eventual finalist Indiana. Trevor Huffman was the co-leading scorer from that team along with some football player named Antonio Gates. He recently documented his experience trying to make the NBA after playing in Europe and is here to share his story. Live from a makeshift recording studio, somewhere in the middle of the desert, this is the Stadium Scene Podcast. With your hosts... DJ Flug. I suck at trivia and I suck at telling jokes. Kate Thompson. The Jack Man, which is just the most awesome name. And Jillian Fisher. No, that was just because I'm crazy as hell. <laughs> You're listening to the Stadium Scene Podcast. Right, episode 29 is here. Uh, Kate is here as usual. Yep. Woo! Woo. No, I'm not down. Oh, damn it, I did it again. Uh, and back from the land of shark dogs and puppies in Canada, Jillian is in the building today. Yay! But mainly puppies. Yay! Mainly puppies. Shark puppies. Uh, for those who don't know and don't follow her on social media, you probably have seen that she has two new pug puppies that she dressed up like sharks for some unknown reason. It was reason. great. Why, why did you dress uh, them up like Unknown because it's so cute. Like, there is no, like, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Honestly. Yeah. Why don't you, DJ? <laughs> um, um, you know what? Let's just, uh, let's skip that. We'll save that for another show. We actually have another guest uh, here with us today. Um, when we talked about a few episodes ago, we don't really talk basketball much, but we're, uh, we're on a streak. We're now two for two. So, uh, continuing Wait, on DJ, what DJ, it's because space jam two yeah, is going to come okay, out. Okay. Soon. Space jam. What? Two. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> in like a year I'm or so. Excited. We'll, we'll talk about that this in a second. This is the most exciting news. My, the most exciting news of my life just happened. <laughs> So you hear our guest. We'll go ahead and introduce him real quick. So our guest has uh, quite a storied career in in basketball, and he came into Kent State as a relative unknown, and he ended up leaving the school as their all-time leading scorer, won the MAC tournament three times, had a legendary run to the Elite Eight in the 2002 NCAA tournament, and left having his number four jersey retired by the university. Uh, after college, he played professionally in Europe before making a uh, couple of tryouts at the NBA, which he documents uh, the experience trying out for the Phoenix Suns on an article on uh, Medium, which is absolutely worth the read. We'll go into that in much more detail. So please welcome to the show, Trevor Huffman. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get right down to this uh, the, sh- the Space Jam coming out. What? 
Yeah. Yeah. I know, right? Yesterday. The, uh, or today. Were you holding on to that nugget just until now? Yes, she was. So the, the LeBron <laughs> in Space Jam 2 rumors are true. And everybody oh brought back the meme where they're going to ask, uh, they originally asked Kevin Durant, but he said he had to do what was best for his family and he joined the Monstars instead. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that. So uh, I guess they're going to film it next summer and who knows when it's coming out after that. So it's coming out in 2021 because they have the Jersey number spelling out the release date of January 20, 23rd, 2021. That's a long time from now. I, I got really sad when you said that because that's yeah, so that, far away. That bums me out. This podcast is an emotional roller coaster it, for me. I'm yeah. not <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back back on track. Let's jump right into it. So you Trevor, you went into Kent State having a scholarship offer at literally the last second. What was that experience yeah. like? Oh. It was terrifying. Uh, emotional as much like this first five minutes of this podcast, emotional roller coaster. <laughs> um you know, I I came. I was born in Flint, Michigan, um, which is where my all my you know most of my family still lives. And then my mom, my parents split up when I was in seventh grade, and my mom took us up to Petoskey, Michigan. And Petoskey is essentially like the Patagonia apparel capital of the world. <laughs> like everybody that lives in Petoskey wears Patagonia. And everybody that where I lived in Flint, we were wearing like FUBU and like starter jackets. It was completely two different scenarios happening. Uh, so I, I basically had like this uh, a big change. And so basketball was wasn't a big deal, believe it or not, in Patagonia country. And um, so it was really hard for me to get, get recognition. I kind of got stereotyped as the what you know, kind of like the kid from Northern Michigan. Uh, that didn't play any competition, that wasn't athletic, he was sneaky quick, like, I don't know, um, you know, just cause really kind of fell into that uh, label pretty easily up there, and so it was kind of like my, I had a chip on my shoulder to not, I didn't really, you know, I just was really stubborn, I'm a very stubborn person, and so um, I just kept holding out, basically, till the end of the summer in Kent State, um, kind of basically, I like drove Drove down there in my uh, Subaru and um, tried out, and then they they liked me, and then they flew, you know, and then it like started the actual recruiting process, and um, and that's how it happened. One of the players was actually the same position as me. Went in and told the coach that they should sign me. So that's awesome. It was kind of kind of cool story. Um, we were all a bunch of misfits at Kent State. That's why I think we we had the success we did. So. Each one of those guys that were on that team has such a unique story, and mine was just one twelfth of the story. So, yeah. Speaking of, of your teammates, I was going to save this for a little later, but it, you know, I, I was looking through and I was doing some research, and a lot of this was coming back like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that." And I looked at your, mm-hmm. your roster, and there was a, a person who caught my attention on there, and there was um, a teammate of yours who played college basketball who. Uh, ended up going on to the NFL, uh, named Antonio Gates. Yeah. How? Yeah, he's decent. He's decent. <laughs> decent at basketball or football? 
<laughs> yeah, both. he's decent at both. It turns out. Uh, he's a you, stud. He's he's a he's an animal. You played with him for what two or three years? Yeah, no. Uh, he he. Um, I played against him. Ironically, he was at Eastern Michigan as a sophomore, which was in the MAC. He transferred from Michigan State as a football player. Went to Michigan State, but wanted to always wanted to play basketball. So he kind of wasn't happy. They kind of lied to him at Michigan State. So then he transferred. Went to a JUCO, ended up at Eastern as a sophomore. We played him. He broke one of my teammates' noses. And then, like, two years later, he's – I don't know what happened. He was a junior, and I was a senior. And they're like, hey, Antonio Gates is going to – he's going to come play on our team. It was really – it was super confusing to me because I was like, wait, what do you – what do you mean? I, I play, We played against him as a sophomore, and then he's gone to – you know, I thought he went somewhere to keep playing. And they were like, no, he, like, basically fell through the cracks missed a year of college, went to a, you know, got picked back up in the JUCOs and then ended up uh, at Kent because we had a coaching change from Michigan State. So our, our uh, Stan Heath went from Michigan State to coach us at Kent State. So he he knew he had connections to Antonio and, and basically kind of like brought him in and our talent level like went through the roof. I went from like the third blessed third best on the team to fourth best immediately <laughs> did did you ever think that he would a make the nfl and b be as dominant in the nfl as uh as he has been over the last you know 15 years or so um i had no idea uh that any of that was going to happen he actually told me when when he was at kent that he he told me that he was like yeah i'm probably going to play in the nfl one day I, I think I remember thinking, like, like smirking at him, like, sideways, being like, what the f- what you- Am I allowed to swear, yeah, by the yeah, way? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. please do. Like, please do. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, yeah, please. Jesus Christ, Trevor, make this more interesting. I was like, what? I no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, an F-bomb to make this fucking a little bit more entertaining will always, that's what I believe in. An F- a well-placed F-bomb is the essence of my soul. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but I didn't know if this was for kids, so no, I try not to swear if it's for kids. We, the um, kids are listening to us. They're, they're also, I'm just, I wanted, I I wanted you kids. to feel... I wanted you to feel comfortable cursing because I have the mouth of a sailor, so... Okay. I try not to because yeah. I have young children and it just doesn't work out, unfortunately, or fortunately. Yeah, depending they'll be on the like, take. Dad, you said a potty word. Yeah. So <laughs> the three episodes <laughs> mentioned his kids. I'm gonna start keeping track. By the way. Well, you know. DJ. Yes. You're a role model. I think. I think you. I think you should stick with it. Be a good. Be a. Be a. Uh, a good role model. <laughs> I am. I on the other hand have a dog that does not know English. <laughs> he's old as shit. He's 12. He's blind. He's deaf. I yell at him. He shits on the carpet. He doesn't care. <laughs> so. No, I don't know. Like when when Antonio told me that, I, I kind of looked at him side. I was like, "Shut the fuck up, dude! You do not have. You're not going to play in the NFL. First of all, you're not in good enough shape. You faked a heart attack in preseason conditioning. You're not like. There's so many funny stories about our team that I wish would be turned into a book. And in fact, I think that I'm probably the only one that's going to be able to write the book. And um, but yeah, he he basically said no. Like agents. Agents came after him when he was a freshman at Michigan State. 
and um, they said like they he had already been labeled like an uh, NFL football player, and so he kind of had the connections. I don't know how that ha- you know he was he must have been really really good at Michigan State or really really good in high school. I didn't really know his high school story. He told me he was a Golden Gloves boxer in high school, which scared the shit out of me because I was like, I will never, f- I will never mess with you, dude. Like me and you, bros. Let's stay bros. <laughs> so we never fought. If you guys are wondering, that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Buck He literally one of his legs weighed more than my entire body. So I don't know. Like he was. If you fought him, you could have made that an entire chapter in the book. I know. Trevor's death. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) So what experiences from your college um, basketball days are ingrained in your mind? Like what real standout moments do you have? Oh, man. You know, when I first got there, I remember thinking, there's no there's no way I'm going to make it. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, literally the walk-on, his name was Ryan Lurkey. He was the nicest human in the world. When I, when I mean nicest, like, he would pick you up off the ground, like, if you got knocked over and he was on offense, like, going the other way on a five-on-five. He would, like, run back and pick you up, kind of, you know, like that kind of nice guy. I don't, you know, anybody that plays basketball out there. Typically, you never do that because you're like, five on four, we got we got numbers, run the break. You know, we're going to get an open shot. Somebody fell over and hurt themselves. But, like, Lurkey scored on me at will. He dunked on me one time. And I remember thinking this stood out to me that I just, I just thought I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to be good enough to play at that level. I couldn't feel my legs. The volume of work that we had to do and the effort that we were putting in was so far above what I had ever uh, experienced that I didn't really have the perspective to understand that, A, it's kind of like boot camp, like military boot camp. It's almost like who, who's tough enough? Are you tough enough not only to get through this, but are you tough enough to put more effort into your game to become good enough to pass these guys? And I think – it took me uh, almost almost like a year to understand that not only was it about effort, but it was about, you know, kind of changing the way you approach um, your game and how you approach um, your skill development uh, mentally because there's such a mental mental part of Division One basketball where if you're not athletic enough, if you're not quick enough, if you're not skilled enough, and you're a freshman like I was, you basically have to figure out a way to put in more volume or put more effort into your game that doesn't, you know, but you already feel so bad. So I think for me, that was a huge moment. I remember walking up the stairs to go to my dorms and I couldn't pick up my legs. They were so heavy. I was supposed to run uh, a mile in under five minutes to get out of conditioning, which I could not do. Physically, I could, I was just not able to get there. I was, and I just remember thinking like, I'm going to quit. This is it. Like, I can't even get up the stairs. And I, um, the next day, it was like 6 in the morning. We had lift, lifting. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys on the team, we called him Pope. He had lost 75 pounds with our coach. Oh, my God. Me, yeah, he had, he had come in as kind of like this underdog misfit. 
and it was it's just so that's what I'm saying. Our team was full of these guys. Like, it was, and he put his arm around me and he told me, I he like basically empathized with how I felt and uh, he saved me really. I remember him just saying, "Don't quit." Like he he was like he was reading my mind. He was like, "Don't quit." don't quit until you finish the season and then you can reevaluate like, you know, where you are. And I just remember being like, okay, all right. Like it helps to have a teammate. It helps to have somebody there in your corner kind of that, you know, and I was the only freshman on the team. So I didn't have any, I didn't have any other freshmen with me. So that kind of sucked. I just remember feeling so, you know, you just feel kind of lonely. People are trying to beat you. Like they're literally trying to kick your ass every single day and they don't want you know like there's competition there they don't want you to beat them out so it's a it's a very uh very cutthroat business i realized and then you know the sport i mean you know, the division one game is so, so competitive so i made it through it and here i am today are you still man with a dog owner i'm a dog of, i own my dog bear and we just travel the world and now i'm basically homeless <laughs> wow are you still in contact with any of the people you played with in college oh yeah uh antonio's pretty much the hardest guy to get a hold of uh we so i've been trying to be more active with my um, university just alumni game i did the alumni game this year for, for the first time and ironically like a lot of people came out to watch the alumni game which i thought was really cool um, cause they connected to that elite eight game and, you know, kind of, um, our, our core from that 1998 to 2002, I've been really trying to like actively recruit those guys back. Cause not, a, I miss like the stories I want to write about those stories, but B, you know, the camaraderie, you know, and just knowing, you know, we shared so many special memories, like not, it's just very rare that you get to win three Mac tournaments and you get to go to the NCAA tournament three times, you know, in your career. Most people don't get to do that once. And um, we just really, you know, it's a really special special group, you, you know, and then everybody grows up and has kids and, you know, does their own thing. But for me, it's just really fun to try to get everybody back together to rehash all the funny stories. Like we have a guy, for instance, we have a guy on our team, Shaw. We called him Shaw, and he was from – Tulane, he basically got kicked out of Tulane for a fight. I'm pretty sure it's fighting. Like, he literally, he would fight anybody. He would fight the wall if he, like, had an argument with the wall. He would, like, I remember one time we got in a, um, an argument about a foul playing five on five. And, like, I was like, dude, I'm done. I'm done fighting with you. I took off my shoes. And, like, I was like, I'm not playing you anymore. We're done playing. And I like, walked up to the locker room with, I had my shoes in my hands. Like, I was like, it's over. But he's like, get your fucking shoes back on. We're playing. And he came in, and, like, everybody was, like, watching, like, what's going to happen? And so, basically, he's like, let's, you know, basically called me every name in the book. I threw my shoe at his face as hard as I could. And then we, like, we, it was basically like Braveheart with, you know, you just run at each other. And we just ran at each other and fought and tackled, and we were just wrestling around the locker room. And by the end of it, it was just like, man, I love you, man, like, Let's go play. Let's finish this game. And it was just like, <laughs> shit like that happened on our team. It was magical. Like, I don't understand why it happened that way, but we just had these, these characters that brought the most out of one another. But we had kind of that one of our biggest values was kind of family. And that was um, 
really special. So that's like something I want to get back into the, not only to, to connect with those guys, but to get back to Kent State's values and be like, what do we celebrate as a, a university or as a basketball program? Like I was a huge ringleader in that. And I don't really take my responsibility that seriously until now that I'm 39 and I look back on it. Well, I, I remember actually, this is kind of uh, going to be an obscure reference here. I actually look, looking through, I remembered one of your, uh, one of your teammates, uh, John Edwards. He, uh, uh-huh. I remember him because he happened to be on the Indiana Pacers roster the year Ron Artest decided to take on every single Detroit Pistons fan. And, uh, <laughs> and like the following game, every, you know, with all the suspensions and injuries and everything, um, I, I think they only played six players and I think he was the guy who came off the bench for that game. And, and that was just, yeah. that that's just one of those things where I remember watching it on TV. I grew up in Indiana, so I saw it on TV live as it was happening. And I just, you know, couldn't believe what I was uh, seeing, but anyway, um, yeah. Moving on, in the 2002 NCAA tournament was a, you know, probably one of the the highlights of of your college career. You made a deep run as a 10 seed all the way to the Elite Eight, and eventually lost to and the IU team, which is yeah. I went to Purdue, so yeah. Um, <laughs> so you have no choice but to say that, DJ. Yeah, you yeah have I know. No choice. So, <laughs> what what what's uh, what stands out in your mind from from that run to the Elite Eight that year? Um, well, obviously picking up Antonio Antonio Gates was huge. Um, you know, our talent level went up really. To, you know, I mean, just tons. I mean, we went from. I think I was almost at 18 points a game, and then Andrew Mitchell the year before our junior year when we got to the second round, we beat Indiana. Um, you know, we just didn't have as much firepower, and so I think that was a huge thing. We added Antonio, and so kind of spread out our scoring, so we were a lot harder to to match up with the guard. But we actually started the season off like one and three or two and four, and Stan Heath was a new coach. We we really struggled. I, I really struggled, I think, mostly because I'm stubborn. And um, not stubborn in, in, like, a basketball way, but stubborn in a loyalty way. I was really loyal to Gary Waters and that entire staff, Coach Heck, Garland Mance, Coach DeSempler. Like, those guys were literally you know, the guys that gave me a chance to play Division One basketball. So, I, you know, there was, like, a really big part of me that uh, almost was, like, self-sabotaging. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, even though we had already had so much success and I was, I, basketball was my life, like, it, you know, he, Stan Heath came in and was like, I turned it over one time and he was, you know, I think he called me like a pussy or something. I don't know. He called me like, you son of a bitch, don't turn it on. Like, he swore at me. I don't remember what he said. <laughs> but I remember being like, no, no man will ever talk to me like that again. You know, like, I was so offended because – my life had been with Gary Waters, you know, who had, I had this relationship with, like, it was like, you know, we, he would bring me into the office. He would talk to me. He, you know, he, he treated me like an adult. Like we had conversations about life and we didn't, Stan Heath and I didn't have that. We didn't have that like foundation of like, yeah, you can call me a name after you know what my brother's names are. You know, like you don't know anything about me. And I remember saying that to him. And so I think it was really hard for me to, kind of let go of that um attachment to the old old coaching staff and i think a lot of athletes go through that they just don't 
I don't know. They, you know, maybe they just are tough. They're a lot tougher than me. But I think I'm an emotional. I'm emotionally stunted. Uh, I blame my. I blame my mother. And then, so the, the you know the elite eight happened, and Stan Heath. We we started cooking. I think we won 20 games in a row. And I think Stan Heath was the reason, uh, a huge reason why we had so much success because he was the coach that we needed to get to that level of play, you know, that Big Ten, Pac-10, SEC. You know, we beat Alabama by 20. We beat Oklahoma State by 10. We beat Pitt, who was like the number two seed. And then we ran into Indiana, who was just super hot, and I thought we were the better team. But, um, you know, just all those things happened, and, and they happened, you know, I always like to say they happened for a reason, but we found our reason to make them happen. And I think that's why, that's what I remember the most. So you you just mentioned previously that you uh, you know you played against Oklahoma State and they were coached at the time by their uh, their legendary coach Eddie Sutton. Do you have any uh, any memories of what it was like to go up against a you know a, a legendary college basketball figure like that? Yeah, you know that's yeah like you know who I remember too. Um, my freshman year was uh, Cheney from Temple. Oh yeah, like John Cheney. Is that the owl? The Temple Owl. Yeah. Is that Cheney? Yep. That's John Cheney, right? Yep. Yeah, that man was nuts. Um, yeah, he was. He was. He was a recluse. He looked like <laughs> I felt like he just never slept. And then they practiced at five in the morning, and every I was like, "Who practices at five in the morning? You guys play it at night." I just never understood that. But yeah, Eddie. You know, I remember. I remember how mad he looked when we beat them. When we beat Oklahoma State. You know, obviously you don't get a chance to talk to him or see those coaches, but. Um, you know, you just see him on the sideline kind of going up and down, but you're so focused on what you're doing. Like we knew we were underdogs, you know, we're the 10 seed or, you know, we were a max school. So nobody really believed that we were going to win any games. And I, I've always embraced, I love that role. I don't know why more people don't just take that role of everyday life. (laughs) Just act and pretend that nobody, you know, nobody thinks you're good enough at anything. And then you get. It's the way to go. It's the way to go, honestly. It's the way to go. Like everybody, you know, why not? You know, like it makes you learn. I I say, like, yeah. Have that chip on your shoulder. Have that chip on your shoulder is what I always say because then you're always working. You're always acting like you're not good enough, and that gets you to that next level. Even if like the next level isn't existing, like you get there. So it's always have that chip on your shoulder. Yeah. And I, exactly, and I think that, um, you know, we kind of lived with that chip in college, uh, especially our senior year, but I just lived, that's like a, I think I, you know, you could probably say that it's a growth mindset type of, of living or a fixed mindset would, would just say, hey, I'm, I've arrived, I'm a superstar, you know, you see a lot of these kids in high school that have, you know, social media, and they, you know, I just, I look at that and I cringe, I cringe when I see these kids in high school or middle school that are like phenomenons. They're like the most talented kid. I, I literally could tell you how many people told me I would never play division one, how many people, uh, coaches in high school and I'd go to camps and exposure camps and people would tell me I'm not a scholarship player. And that mo- that motivated me so much to put more effort into my game. And, and I think that at the end is what allowed me to play at the highest level and beat, the Eddie Sutton's, the 
you know, the Indiana Hoosiers, the, you know, get a chance to play against the Dukes, the Car- you know, and, and that to me was a dream. I mean, I think I, you know, that's one of the messages I think I try to tell kids is like, who are you measuring yourself against and, and what, and how big is that gap? You know, if you were to measure yourself against the entire um, population of the, you know, you go to Europe, there's kids over there that can play basketball. If you go to the inner city, there's kids there. You know, you have to really be careful about your own Kool-Aid that you're drinking. I think everybody likes to drink their own Kool-Aid. So you mentioned um, European kids growing up and playing basketball, too. Um, I know you played on a couple different teams in the Uh European League. What teams were those? So I played in, um, I started in Germany, uh, the same, uh, actually the league above Dirk Nowitzki, if you can believe that. So Dirk Nowitzki um, played in the second league in Germany, and he was 6'11", Bundesliga it's called. And and, uh, and then I went from there, I came back to the New York Knicks, I made the summer league team, landed on Matt Carroll's foot, uh, another big memory I remember, and I broke my ankle. And uh, was out pretty much the whole summer. Oh, that then, sucks so much. Yeah, that, that blew. It really blew. And I had my jersey, and I was ready for summer oh, league. Oh. You know, and that was like oh, a, that sucks that was like so a, much. That was a soul crushing thing. And then, and then to add matters worse, then I went to Phoenix for vets camp. You know, that was like October, November. So now I'm in vets camp, and I'm like, okay, I'm back. I'm back, bitches. Here I come. I'm hungry, yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm listening to Inya every day before my games and practices. <laughs> I, li- I used to listen to Inya. Uh, quick side note for you. Inya helped me relax. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the album Arinico Flow. Yes. It's, a, it's a, I, popping I, off the charts. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll second that. That uh, It's a good I need to calm down and take a minute to think album. Yeah. I vouch for exactly. that. I didn't know you think, DJ. <laughs> Sometimes. Not Who often. knew? What genre, like, what genre is Inya in, by the way? Could anybody? <laughs> um, that's, yeah, I can't, I don't know what that genre is. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. Here, here's actually a, a fun fact about Inya that I heard recently. Um, she actually has performance anxiety. And because of that, has never performed live or on tour. And when she records, she has to be like really all by herself. Yeah. But she is interesting. She has like, never toured. That is that is crazy. Like if I was that, gonna I, be a musician, right? Like you wanna you wanna perform. Like that's the whole thing about being like a mu- musician is like that you can perform in front of live audiences who love you. Like that's the whole thing, right? That is so wild, though, that she's literally playing the most calming music for me, and she cannot do that music <laughs> in in front of anyone. That is that's very ironic. She every every so many <laughs> years she gets <laughs> yeah, asked by the press, you know, are are you gonna tour? And she's like, yeah, I'm actually thinking about it. And you know, four or five years goes by and nothing happens. So, yeah, she is still never toured, which is wild. Huh. I wonder if she. Um... She had like a, you know, you know, like the trauma when she was younger. You know, she got embarrassed or something happened. I mean, I've, I've, I, you know, I used to be, I used to get, I used to get really nervous before games. Like in high school, I would get so nervous and so anxious that I would, ha- 
I would just sit in the toilet. I would sh- shut myself in the Oh, that toilet, sucks so much. And I'd be, like, having, like, an anxiety attack. I didn't really know what it was back then. But you know what I would do? I would just flip on Enya, and I would read the Bible. I was super religious. And um, I would I would just focus on on the music and read. And that helped me so much that I could come out and and play and, and express. You know, I used to just try to be like, you know what? It's not the end of the world if you play bad. It's just a learning experience. It took me a long time to learn that. When you fail, it's just kind of the beginning of learning, and you get to go back yeah. and do it again. You know, but most kids freak out. And, and it's Enya, a tough. I mean, it's a tough learning Enya experience. It's tough. Yeah. So, sure ju- ju- jumping back into your uh, your experience with the Phoenix Suns, I just wanted to. I, I noticed when I was reading about this, I, something caught my attention that. Um, there was an article mentioned that somehow Dan Marley was, uh, mm-hmm. did, did, did you know him or did how it sounded like he had something to do with you getting into the tryout? Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He was a big reason I got the, uh, tryout in the first place. So Dan Marley's from Traverse city, which is like 60 miles South of Petoskey, the Patagonia capital. And, um, we basically, um, uh, one of my best friends played at Grand Valley State, who I played with in high school. He was coaching with Steve Marley. So this is Dan's brother. And I went down there to work, train one of the kids at Rockford where Steve Marley was coaching. So I kind of helped out this kid who was a D1 recruit, um, who I'm still friends with today. And he kind of, um, Steve was like, hey, man, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, I'm just trying. Like, I've been trying to play in the NBA. I've, I really want to, I really want to, give it another shot and he was like let me call dan so he called dan week later i'm flying out there in august for like they call like mini camp basically so it's like trying to figure out who was going to be there for vets camp and um i remember i played um played really i was playing really well and i got out there and um made the tryout in late august and then they flew me back got me an apartment a car started getting paid i was living the high life uh took me to Costco, gave me the credit card. I just cha-ching, baby. <laughs> oh, that's, that's how you know. That's when you that, know. <laughs> it, was the, it was like one of the happiest days of my life. Um, the, you know, Phoenix Suns dancer girls were even looking at me at one point. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's it legit. Was it was legit. I had a girl, I literally, she came up. She thought I was on the team, I think. She thought that I was like a million millionaire, a million dollar athlete. Little did she know I had fucking $500 in my bank account. Uh, just living large. I was living large. I bought a blender. I remember I was like, I can't listen. David Griffin, he's like an agent. Uh, he's like the most yeah. world-renowned agent ever, by the way. He's amazing. Uh, he was so cool. He was the best guy. And he was like, yeah, dude, just... Get whatever you want, and I was like, my eyes lit up like I was in the, you know, those shows <laughs> yeah. where you have a grocery cart and you have like <laughs> yeah. minutes to go grab anything you want. Yeah, I was running around and I, I got a blender. Uh, I got like the best blender I could. I was like, blenders are a huge part of my life, and uh, smoothies. So I was making smoothies every day with Tony Pip, uh, Scotty Pippen's nephew, Tony Pippen. He lived in the apartment with me, so. Um, I got cut. I got cut. Another soul crusher. I got cut um, uh, after my first preseason game. So I had. There's so many stories in there that are so much fun to talk about because they're like moments of frozen in my in my brain. Yeah. So. um, No, we love them. We love them. 
Yeah. So that's, you know, and that's kind of what, um, what I love to, you know, that's kind of, as I got older, I was like, you know what, I, what do I like to do? I like to write, I you know writing has always been a big thing. So I like to kind of go back and rehash these stories and I'm, I'm really trying to learn how to write and practice writing. And, you know, I guess that's where you guys saw the article was on medium. Um, and it's very, it's just so similar to basketball. Cause every, you know, everybody's like, you, you can't, you're not going to be a writer, dude. Like, you know, you haven't ever written. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's cool. I'm going to start writing though. And I'm you learn. Publishing shit. You learn. And people are going to, you know, people are going to tell me what, that I'm not very good. And that's, you know what? I'm treating myself like a, like the seven year old infant basketball player that I was, you know, when I was in elementary school, like I wouldn't have, if I was coaching myself, I wouldn't be like, hey, really shitty performance today, kid. You suck. You suck. <laughs> you know? But I would have been like, hey, great effort. Let's put in more effort into your game. You're shooting. You know, you just got to keep sticking with it. Rome wasn't built in a day. That's what I keep telling myself on the inside, guys. So don't don't burst my dreams. No, I think when we all look back on stuff that we did, it's just like you learn. You learn as you go. You know, you don't – nobody starts out – I think everyone always sees like these people who are really great at what they do. And I think it's really easy to compare yourself to somebody who's amazing at what they do, whether it's sports, arts, music, whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. it all takes time. And like, if you're passionate about it, just keep chugging along. It, it comes over time. And I think we all do it. We all are like, Oh God, we look back and like our original stuff was so terrible. How did anybody listen yeah. to us? But it's it's all the process, and you have to love that process if you want to if you want to make it. Yep. I have to say, your writing is good enough. You kept me interested at least for three minutes <laughs> of the article. Keep me. Yeah, I my you know my attention span goes really quickly, and I, I get to the top of the article, and it says you know estimated time to read this article is fourteen minutes. And I'm like, oh, 14 minutes to read. But no, I I, I read it cover to cover. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, good story. You know, it was it, good. You know what's funny is, um, I, so that it, was, it got it got released on Reddit, and uh, of oh course, boy, me, <laughs> me being, I don't even know what fucking Reddit is. I was like Reddit. Yeah, I read it. I read my article too. What's what's Reddit.com? I, I love. I, that. I made an account. I made an account to go see what people were saying about the article. As like, I was like, you got to be, and I started. Re I read every single comment. And I was so en enthralled. Like, it was like every single, yes. I don't know, it was like every single game. Like, if I could read every single person's thought and, like, remark yeah. about one of my games. And, it, you know, and I, it was so funny to me because I was like, are you really going to take that personal that that guy said I write like a middle schooler? <laughs> <laughs> it's, Reddit, Reddit is the toughest one, too. Reddit, I feel like. More than Twitter, more than Insta more than any social media, yeah. Reddit is the toughest audience. They really, I don't know what it is, but oh, yeah. if you can, Complete if you can anonymity. make it, An anonymity. anonymity, yeah. Oh, and if you can make it through that, I feel like you can make it through anything. Like, and I, 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 I hate when people are like, don't read the comments because I also think the comments sometimes like are beneficial. Sometimes they can be like. Yeah. You know, it doesn't hurt. And also, like, if anything, they, they benefit you with making you, like, have a thicker skin, which I think is super important. Yeah, for sure. Like, I want that. I mean, I don't want somebody to call me, like, you know, some stranger to bash my 
you know, <laughs> my character. Yeah. And value. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you're actually not a bad person, Trevor. You're just a shitty writer. And that's, you know, like, that was, or, or that was like a shitty performance. You know, like everybody, you can't yeah. attach yourself to the writing as much as you attach yourself to a game. Like, just because I have a bad game doesn't mean I'm a shitty person. Like, I actually do care. And I yeah. think that's part of the problem when you care about something so much. You, most people have a really probably have a hard time detaching themselves from the result. You know, as a pro, mm -hmm. like as a pro basketball player, if somebody said something about my game, do you think I gave two fucks? Like I no, I have no care in the world. But now yeah. that I'm a writer, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> that guy said that about my fucking writing, and I was like so mad. And then I was like, and I gotta put it in perspective. It yeah. stings a little. I, and I, my mom's ex, I talk like my mom sometimes. I was... <laughs> no, we love it. We love it. <laughs> so, you were mentioning thicker skin, and, like, I found that endurance events, like, when I ran a marathon, made it mm -hmm. tougher. So, I noticed you ran the, or you did the Chicago Triathlon. Yeah. That was one hell yeah. of a segue there, I have to say. Yeah, that was, <laughs> let me tell you about that. But the suffering of that event, have you, you did a marathon, you said? Yeah, I did the Milwaukee one. And, like, at mile, like, 20, what were you thinking? Can I quit yet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what I wanted to quit after, like, the first two minutes of the swim. Some dude kicked <laughs> me in the face. I hyperventilated. My I had never worn a wetsuit. Like, I just, I was really underprepared, guys. And uh, what happened was... My friend, I trained with him. He lost like 60 pounds trained with me. And I was Oh, my like God. I inspired this guy to lose weight, which then it also inspired me to do this basketball startup that I'm in now, which is basically a fitness startup for people to get their cardio in, but it's through basketball training. So, anyway, this all came about because I started doing these weird basketball hybrid workouts with my friend. We'd do like a plyo jump, a kettlebell swing, and then we'd go sh like shoot five three-pointers and then race around the track and, eight, and do an 800 and then do it all three times and we'd see who could win so it was basically oh, wow. like crossfit it was like crossfit meets basketball training yeah it was just a way it was just really a way for me to give him high intensity interval training and lose weight and then and then now he's like a semi-pro triathlete and so now he's just like rubbing it in he's like hey man you want to do the triathlon in chicago it's the best one in the world and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then I swam three times, you know, before the race. And then I almost died in the race. But other than that, it was great. It was so much fun. It's a very lonely sport. I was at just like mile 20 for you. When I got like to the run, I was just like, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy that I'm like, there's people out here that are suffering through for their health and their fitness. And it's a very like, it's a very interesting sport if you look at it from a, you know, like a psych psychological standpoint, because you're at, at some point you're going to be like, I want to quit. I don't want to do this. And then the moment you, you quit, you, your legs stop work, you know, like your body shuts down and it's really, you're, you, you know, you can go so much further than you think when you're, you know, you just stay positive and keep pushing yourself and, and putting effort into it. So I, I think it's a great, a great way to, um, learn you know and just learn about yourself i look at it as like really you know kind of a chance to to grow my mental toughness because i really hate it i hate endurance training <laughs> oh 
serious question. What tastes better? Lake Michigan water when you're swimming or Malort? Mm-hmm. Or, or Malort? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Lake Michigan by a landslide. Somebody said <laughs> Malort out of a trumpet. Somebody, like, they, I was at a speakeasy and they dropped Malort into, like, a, a hollowed-out trumpet. I was like, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. And, this, and not only is it the weirdest thing, it's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. What What is Malort? Nobody Stop. knows exactly. Trash. It's trash <laughs> is what it is. Right. Who the fuck made Malort and thought it was a good idea? Exactly. And then and now it's like a tradition. It's a tradition that anytime I see anybody from Chicago at any like sporting event, I somehow end up with Malort in my mouth, and I hate everything. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's like, you know you have, like, you can just, like, no more Malort. But, like, I also feel like a bad sport if I do that. So, like, I, I just do it because, like, that's, I feel like I'm being, like, a gracious person when I do it. I don't know why. Cause every time, like, why did I, I do that? You guys. Yeah. <laughs> just like do everything that's not you know is not doesn't even taste good. Let you yeah. Have to. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Just put a smile on our face and do it. <laughs> All right. DJ's doing a keg stand. Yeah. Kate's doing a fucking malort shot from a trumpet. I'm <laughs> hand standing. I'm like walking on my hands backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Making all bad decisions really is what yeah. it comes down to. All right. Before we wrap things up for today, Kate has her five fun fast facts to share. Okay. So I have five random questions that are really random. They are. Ready? They're not as bad as last time, though, DJ. Okay. I'll give you that. Okay. Wait, I have to answer these, or is this just like I get to. No, these these are for you. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Oh, Sprints or long runs? Sprints. Meal prep or cook daily? Uh, meal prep. Same. That's a good answer. <laughs> Shoe brand. Nike. If you could be any age, what would it be and why? Man, what? Um, <laughs> That's 20. a loaded question. It took to question four for the, the guest to respond that way. That's a new record. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm very patient. 28, because I had a full head of hair and a six pack, and the you know like my dating life was a little better. For the record, my trainer asked me that during my mile run, and I was like, I'm trying to run here. Come on. Yeah. That's what inspired that one. Uh, <laughs> what superpower do you wish you had? I wish that I had the superpower to understand uh, how to heal people. Hmm. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. So, Trevor, thank you for being on the show. This has been absolutely uh, incredible. Um, there's so much good stuff that, and we didn't even get to half of what I had on my notes. So I guess you know we're gonna have to have you back for a part two. DJ, it never works out because I talk too much. You know, I'm a blabber. <laughs> so, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh my, um, no. I mean, just if you're a, a medium reader, check out the uh, medium article. Uh, I also write on uh, my TrevorHuffman.com. Um, if you if you're in Chicago, come. Come to a uh, and you like basketball. Come, 
come to our our fitness community. I'll train you. I'll coach you. I'll make you. I'll try to make you throw up. That's what I'll do. I <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> yep. With sprints though. With sprints and a ball in your hand, not uh. a twenty mile run. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, go ahead and check us out on StadiumScene.tv. Give us a follow on our social media at StadiumScene on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, and Stadium underscore Scene on Instagram. And we will see you next time. 